Hey guys, uh, we're back here with episode 13 of VP Precision. It's going to be another uh, hunting focused podcast. Ben and I are driving home from Alberta. So, um, uh, on the moose hunt we talked about in that prior episode. So, I wanted to get a couple housekeeping things out of the way. Uh, the, the Rock Creek barrel giveaway, where uh, Russell generously donated a, a barrel to give away to you guys. Uh, 6.5 heavy contour, perfect for comp gun. Um, the winner of that name is Kyle Kuhn. So congrats, congrats, buddy. You're uh, K-U-H-N, Kyle Kuhn. So if you haven't, if Jake hasn't reached out to you already, I've been gone, so I haven't talked to him yet. We're just getting cell service um, on the drive home here. Um, so if, if, you, if he hasn't reached out to you, please send us a private message or reply to ours when we send it to you with your address, and I will get it shipped out when I get home in a day or two. So congrats. Thanks again to Rock Creek uh, for your support and your giveaway. It's pretty cool. Really appreciate it, Russ. And uh, and I, we think we'll probably have some more coming up in the future here. I'll talk with Jake, and we'll get that sorted out. So um, I, I need to talk with him. I think he won his fourth match in a row, which is a pretty solid streak. Um, I don't I – th- maybe the Wyoming uh, Gunworks match. I'm a little out of the loop. I've been kind of in hunting mode a lot, you know, more than shooting mode the last, uh, last uh, couple months here. So – need to roll back into that for ag cup coming up pretty quick but one more elk i'm helping with before that so um let's see what else so congrats to jake we'll do shooting stuff catch up with that get the details from that here shortly but want to get this up so ben is uh driving and i'm sitting in the passenger seat we did a kind of a a big trip up to alberta for moose and squeezed in an antelope hunt in the beginning so we'll talk about that and before that we had got back from uh the sheep hunt and ben had a big uh elk tag coming up in washington so you want to you want to fill people in on that how that's been going yeah so right after the sheep hunt i think i had about a week break um jumped into the washington state west side roosevelt tag um just put in day after day there about 17 days and nights in a row and um no luck on there's two large ones that i was working on and large probably 360 to 380 class really heavy just gnarly looking old old bulls mm-hmm. um passed on a real solid seven by seven that was just too young he looked like about three to four years old just kind of young in the face but just gorgeous looking animal probably one of the biggest elk that i've not shot at yeah with a tag i was up there for that. john yeah john i saw it once and i was like oh man that's a tough call just yep. cruising across and i could definitely could have shot him multiple yep. times in multiple days and yep. Had him uh, three it was a times. tough one to pass yeah three <laughs> three times in i don't know four days he came out broadside at 550 to 650 yards yep. um anyway if he survives the season um from the other tag holders he'll be a dandy for the next couple of years yeah um so as we head home now, we've been gone for 14 days, and um, I'll pick that back up. I've heard through buddies at home that the rut's still rolling um, on the on the local elk there at a Skagit where I'm hunting, and uh, try and get in on the tail end of that and see if we can make something happen with this tag. Yeah, that'd be sick to fill that. It's a the moose hunt kind of came at a timing wise not great as far as you know the last kind of the end of september's if it hasn't kicked off yet it's any day so the moose or the elk i'm sure have been going but anyway so this trip we i drove up to bellingham 
jumped in Ben's truck two weeks ago yesterday. Let's I see. So, yeah. so I drew, drove up Saturday. So two weeks ago yesterday, or no, two weeks ago today, we drove over to um, our friend's, ha- friend's house, uh, Sean Redman in Medicine Hat. Thanks again, buddy. We had mule deer hunting with him. He runs the um, uh, Southern Alberta Precision Rifle League, him and a couple buddies, and, and uh, they do a lot of guys guys up there active shooting so it's it's fun to have kind of related through the shooting stuff and then also the hunting stuff so he helps out a an outfitter up there that ben had built a relationship with and so we've gotten to know sean through that and through shooting so thanks again buddy for hospitality they just have a brand new baby um him and adara so we uh we we (laughs) spent the night in their house got there pretty late and they were super cool uh crashed out there left early the next morning on a super difficult, really long, drawn-out antelope hunt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can call antelope hunts hunts. I've never done it. Um, it's more of a shoot. Drive around, glass, walk a little bit, and shoot. It's it's uh it's a different. What would you what you think? You had you had uh, kind of low expectations in some yeah, ways. Yeah, I had really low expectations. Never have hunted antelope before, and um, I messaged. Uh, buddy of ours jesse van marion out of medicine hat we'd done a lot of mule deer hunting with him in the past and we knew that antelope were an option with these guys and uh through that relationship just gave him a quick call said hey you know if there's any way that we could set this up but we basically have one day or less to hunt and because um, we had to get up we had, we had to carry on with the moose hunt that was that was scheduled prior that was the main thing we kind of squeaked it in it was about a what a three-hour detour yep. and um through Sean and Jesse, they they knocked it out of the park for us. They set the whole thing up just perfect. Um, by by five minutes after ten a.m. on opening morning, we had both tags filled, yeah. and uh, were able to literally toss them in the back of the truck. They took off with the antelope and dressed them out, and we were already down the road heading for moose camp. <laughs> it was the craziest so thing that ever. Was, that was really cool uh, yeah. for those guys to do that work. There was a couple other guys involved, but mainly Sean and Jesse were the were the guys that made that happen so thanks again to both of you guys yeah but um uh, john dumped a nice really cool like you probably see pictures of it on his uh instagram but yeah, we'll um, get that up. really really nice looking antelope buck mine wasn't bad at all um it's a different look the antelope are all unique yeah, and different different angles different shapes you'll see you'll see we'll slow some pictures up they, John, john's they, horns are tall and pitched forwards and mine are curled up and and shoved back so almost opposite of each other yeah but uh, both of them score fairly similar yep. and um, my main goal for that was just to quickly check the box for antelope off of the uh, off of the list for both of us um without doing a separate trip and so that was really cool how that worked out. We were on time for our arrival for uh, Moose Camp as well. So, so. why don't you go into uh, we? So I don't. We kind of talked before we started this how to do. I've gotten a fair bit of questions and um, and and people's knowledge of hunting ranges all over the board. I got a, a, a friend over down south messaged me. Oh, I got the message today. I don't know when he messaged me about wanting to come out west and for. I want to over counter tag and I'll have to talk with them more, but it's hard. Like there's a ton of States, there's a ton of species. Like, what are you looking for? Like there's, there's knowledge from very basic of what out West is too. And then you can go all the way up to sheep and these, I've got guys message me saying, Hey, I'd like to buy a, uh, a sheep tag next year. Uh, is that something me and some friends could come out and buy a handful of sheep tags? And it just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And so we talked about how I don't, we're going to have to do a separate episode, uh, and 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 discuss that but you just can't buy sheep i have a 
or you can't buy sheep tags. I've applied for, you know, eight, eight plus states for well over a decade for piles of species out west, and I've drawn one tag. And I'm, I'm putting it for premium tags, but I drew that Nevada bull tag last year. So I've never drawn a sheep tag in my life. Um, and when you start talking about some of these hunts, it involves uh, purchasing tags up in Canada. And that's a whole nother uh, discussion. So when Ben was talking about checking the box, let's talk a little bit about that. There's uh, when you get kind of into the, uh, deeper into the hunting, there's some guys hunt deer and some guys hunt elk. And then there's uh, the North American 29. It's, you know, the super slam or, or, or whatever you want to call it. It's the yeah, 29, the big, 29 game. big game species yep, in North the America. West. Yeah, North American. So Canada, Alaska, the States. Mexico. Yeah. yeah. And, um, so, so we've, we've been kind of working on that half-heartedly, half-serious, just, and my thought was, because it's a pretty big achievement, I think the count right now is less or really close to 2,100 people worldwide ever have gotten all 29, um, whether it's with rifle or bow. The number with archery hunters that have done it is tiny. Obviously less, um, yeah. The number of women that have done it is, I think, less than 100. Yeah. Um, Anyway, it's it's a lot of work. Um, it's a lifetime deal for a lot of guys. Other guys can streak through it, but it takes a lot of time, a lot of planning, and, and a bigger budget as well. So um, if John and I have kind of cruised along here over the years, paying attention to what we're getting. Um, we're currently at... You're at 16 I'm now. I'm at 16 of the 29, and John's at 15 of the 29. Yeah. And we so have that- almost, the, almost matching animals, except John's got a coos deer that I don't have, and I've got a uh, Yukon... Alaskan Yukon moose that uh, John doesn't have yet. And a Canadian. Oh, I guess, yeah, and a Canadian <laughs> moose after this. <laughs> so, and that kind of goes back to the last podcast where Kevin, uh, buddy, asked about what's, you know, what's kind of your goals or what do you see in the future or whatever. And, and like you said, we've kind of bounced back and forth. And it's like, the, it, some of it's weird. There's a lot of, they're all very cool species, but some of them are a little redundant. There's actually five species of caribou. So you don't, like, you, you, there's, Newfoundland and Barren Ground and Mountain and and I don't know, can't even think of them off the top of my head right now, but um, there's five different caribou species to hunt in that 29. So you know, up to three different bears and and or four, four different four, four different, different bears, bears. Yeah. yeah, and then you know all the different species of everything. So you you kind of just it gets overwhelming. And then you kind of cruise along. We were sitting in the cabin looking at. They have some magazines that that are called uh, Slam Quest where they. The, you know the different super slam and the sheep slam is the four north american species and and all the things around the world and so we kind of got the gears turning and we're talking about it and we are adding the numbers up like wow we're you know ben's at we're getting, si- yeah we're getting closer 16 to 29 so your gears start turning a little bit so that kind of goes back to kevin's question so who knows we'll just we'll just sometimes you hunt and you're like oh man that didn't go as planned kind of part of this trip we talk about and uh it just is what it is. So, um, so to get kind of straight with that answer for some of the guys that were yeah. that were curious about our direction, at this point, I don't think we're full tilt chasing it down, going after the twenty nine. But I'm definitely paying attention to you know to our progression as far as how how close we are to it. We are definitely on the downhill side. Um, yep. Unfortunately, the animals that are left on our list, some of those are not terribly exciting. Um, to go after going after four different caribou species i don't enjoy caribou hunting that much if you can piggyback it with um 
another animal that you do need, um, like musk ox and caribou, you could check two boxes at once, maybe on one trip, uh, maybe polar bear and um, another. And uh, but there is going to be some I think that's you're you're going to have to directly go after. But um, yeah. So anyway, so that's it's it's kind of something we're looking at, and as we get closer to it, um, I think the momentum will build. Um, I know for me, and I'm sure for John too, it'll, it gets more exciting as you get closer to it. It gets a little, little more within reach after every trip. Yeah. And uh, it's also easy to kind of get distracted with other animals that you really do enjoy hunting that you've already killed 20 or 30 of, like elk and, deer and elk mule deer. And all that stuff. Super fun to hunt. But there is all those species take you to different parts of the world that are crazy. I mean, you end up at, on a muskox hunt in Nunavut or Greenland or somewhere, you know, Somewhere around the around the world, it's always interesting. But yeah, it's kind of a anyway. It's kind of a different level when guys talk about coming out west. You just I don't know how to answer some questions, and you're, and then you know a lot of people don't know there's 29 species or it's even a thing. It's like why would you even want to do that? And it's like I don't know why do you want to shoot competitions or why not just shoot in your backyard with your friends? It just kind of builds and builds, and then all of a sudden you're flying around the country shooting guns with your buddies. So it's the same progression of you started you know playing with the local range with a couple guys and shooting and then it built into travel flying and it's the same thing with hunting you shoot a little bit hunt a little bit and it's your you know your horizons expand and you're like oh what's in that state what's in that country what's you know you start getting on these amazing hunts places you never thought you'd go or animals you thought you'd see i mean just interacting with this this week with grizzly bears and 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 black bears and moose we saw a wolf just along the road just and the you know fresh tracks there's just you get out in the wild there's i don't know it's just every every trip's an experience some of it's good some of it's you know it's not bad it's it's uh maybe not what you had planned yeah it's definitely not what you have planned sometimes and it's it's eye-opening and um you know even when we're out there there's a lot of downtime while you're waiting for something to happen and Especially Tried on this, this trip. It was, yep. the, I mean, like a sheep hunt, it feels very in your court to a certain extent. Like if the sheep, I mean, if the sheep aren't there, the sheep aren't there. But you can hike the next range. You can glass longer. You can keep hiking deeper and farther. And the moose, we were just hunting. It's a rut hunt. It's thick timber. Most, unless you're on the lake or some, you know, generally unless you're on the lake, there's a couple, I wouldn't even say lake, they're like big ponds, two big ponds. Unless you're there, you can't see more than generally 20 to 50 yards type of thing in the timber, and you're relying on the rut and calling. And so you're sitting there calling, and when the, the moose aren't rutting, they're obviously not going to respond to calls. So it feels very, it feels more like fishing than hunting to me, where you're kind of waiting for the bite or whatever, where with sheep or deer, you know, you're hiking further, glassing more. So it's definitely a different feel. And so there was some downtime. We were just like, okay, there's, they're not riding yet. They're not moving. We got there just a little early, and, uh, it, you know, it was part of the deal. So, so let's one, jump one let's thing jump that, into, yeah. that with that downtime, that's what I was trying to say, is that yeah. um, try to, you know, make, make some use of that downtime. And with, with me, it was, it was talking with uh, the outfitter that was there and just mm-hmm. try to gain more intel, more knowledge, and, and understanding of, of what might be next and, and you know, Jonas has quite a bit of experience sheep hunting oh, yeah. all around the world. Um, and so it was kind of cool to talk to him and just, you know, kind of pick his brain a little bit and see what, what else might be out there for some other options for us down the road. And yeah. um, I've tried to do that as much as I can on a lot of the trips, just gaining knowledge of, you know, what else is there, even if you're not on the, the absolute pinnacle trip at that moment. Yeah. 
No, you're really good at that. That's a, definitely something you're good at. We were with a, a guy named Jonas Gwynn, who in the sheep world is is legendary. Rick Gwynn, <laughs> I could throw this out. So if you Google a uh, guy on a buffalo, it's like this old series in the 70s or something. It was like they made this movie, and he this cowboy rode this buffalo. Anyway, that's his dad. It's kind of like a... It's all over YouTube. He's, he's definitely kind of a legend of yeah, that way. It's and maybe, funny. maybe, maybe around the world in the in the hunting circles, definitely. Yeah, um, he's about late late sixties, and uh, still very active um, oh, yeah. outfitter and hunter. Both he was. He's guiding a bighorn hunt in like three days, and then from like the day that ends, he's flying to Tajik uh, Tajik for ibex. One hunt. of those, yeah. I mean, he's. Yeah. Just got an incredible story. So if you guys get a chance to look him up, that's uh, Guy on a Buffalo. That's and, pretty funny. Uh, it's, it's kind of funny, super old, like early 70s. I think they said it was 1973 yeah. was when they did that little series. Um, <laughs> but he was really active in wildlife use in films yeah, is what it sounds like and cougars that they use for props and all those different movies and 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 they're, they're just we're gonna get sidetracked but there's a cougar scene in the guy on a buffalo you'll see if you poke around youtube which is it's more it's almost a comedy now but it's pretty funny but he gets they play with this cougar and he said well we just got it you know we just got a little pissed off a little riled up we had him on set for too long well it jumped on him and he got 240 stitches from this one scene and guy on a buffalo he got so really really torn up he said if you play the video on a big screen um he he actually pulls his hunting knife out and tries to stick the cat <laughs> it's and the knife goes flying out but it barked him up pretty good all over the back of his neck and he showed us a handful of scars on his chest from it but um it's in the video it's right there we watched it on the way up here just for kicks and you can see the cat hops on his back and just starts wrestling around and it looks you know like it's kind of acting but it's uh, apparently it was it, not at it all went a little too far but he was in um they used him in a handful of films um yeah, he had a bunch of grizzlies, and he had man. Was it? I can't remember. It was He's, films you would have heard of with Jeremiah a bunch of Johnson. Props. He yeah. was. He was. Uh, they worked with a bear that was used in that movie, and then there was some kind of a, a film that was done um, chasing Bigfoot or something way early, like seventies, I think. Anyway, there are some pretty funny stories that that Rick was telling us at camp yeah. regarding that. So it'll be fun to get home and kind of dig around online and, and see what's there. But really neat guy, uh, amazing story with that that whole family. They yeah, currently his, his have his dad Alvin guided Fred Bear up there for sheep back in the day. Legendary, yeah. like one of the maybe the most famous bow hunter after Chuck Adams ever. You know, Fred Bear. So huge history. With, just with it's that whole pretty family. neat. It was fun having him at camp. He actually came up with one of his old friends. Uh, rode in a couple days after we were there, which was fun he was up there for four or five days so we got to hang out in the cabin and you know eat with them and and both anyway both those guys are legendary so back to ben you know gathering advice and stuff just kind of picking those guys' brains they've been all over the world for their entire lives jonas he's full-time he's sheep hunting up here all year then he goes to mexico all year guides uh, desert sheep down there the the whole year and then he's pretty much scouting the rest of the time or running there they have a ranch there with a they just do you know big anyway what's the name what's the name of that ranch the boundary ranch in Kananaskis yeah, look, look that up if you guys get a chance it's, really it's cool. interesting they it's just, just an hour outside of Calgary or so they just finished a uh, huge museum um, taxidermy museum type of a deal that they built just kind of for themselves that's world class it's really big and I don't know there's probably a hundred trophy mounts in there oh I can't I think and it's all a, set up 180 100, I can't I took a video and I counted them later and it was a whole bunch hundred and yeah. hundred and 20 I, I don't know it's a bunch but anyway, it's, it's, it's pretty neat check it out if you guys get a chance it's very cool so all right let's roll through we're gonna get to the border here in a little bit so i'm gonna pause it and then we'll we'll 
we'll carry on after. Um, but let's let's go through this moose hunt. I, we didn't write any notes. We're just going to cruise through it. So you want to start from Antelope. We drove up through Jasper National Park, which was cool. It was dark. There's wolves in there. They do no predator management. So all the elk are gone. Everything's dead out of the park. So there, manage your wolves. So we saw, what did we see in there? Bears. We did see one deer, and that was yeah, all. Yeah, not much. It was pretty quiet. So the area that we hunted was north of, um, I think it was north of, of Hinton, Alberta, just to give you guys kind of a spot. Yeah. And yeah, uh, up in there. That, that region, um, long drive from home, but pretty and, good scenery in the daylight. Yeah, and then took a back on the horses, our favorite thing. I felt like these saddles were a lot more comfy or, or just getting better at riding horses and figuring out the stirrup length and everything. I was a lot more comfortable than I was in B.C., uh, the ground was a lot more mellow too. Obviously, on a moose hunt, you're. Although we did do a couple of big climbs, but yeah. anyway, we w- rode in five six hours. Uh, got to camp, and then I mean, it was it was a long hunt, but it was a weird one. It was, I get so right right off the bat, first night we get into the lake. Wind's kind of bad. Call for a while sitting there, and I don't know half hour forty minutes later, a smaller bull walks by. So first night we're like, sweet moose not not particularly big one we passed on it wasn't it wasn't a dilemma um you know it was no, just like, going to be standard just you yeah. know a medium-sized one walked right through you yeah. know 80 yards away from us so that's a good start and we're happy weather starts to change cools down what i mean what well, you could talk about it for a little bit you take some days <laughs> yeah it was the first week or so i don't know what do we spend four or five nights milling around down there we had a I think by yeah. night two or three, they said the weather was changing, and sure enough, it did. It came in at, I don't know. It got cold. Real cold. Weather blew in hard, and then all, we went from just, you know, bare dry ground to it started snowing, and um, it ended up about 18 inches of fresh snow on top of us. So they've got a nice camp set up there, and it's on flat ground, so it wasn't bad. We yeah, were, wall tents and wood stove, so that was yeah. nice. Um, and there was a few people up there, too, you know, within the camp altogether. There's what, probably... 10 of us I think 10 total once everybody arrived yeah once Rick got up there with his buddy they were sheep hunting another guy so yeah yep anyway um so just the kind of the process of the day was go you know get out there around daylight and walk there's uh two big lakes and one Mm -hmm. small lake and we would just head out towards those that's usually where you're going to catch the moose so I think day two um or day three we had another one that we walked right into up at the third lake and um yeah it was during the snowstorm we were riding around on horses half half just kind of going in circles because it was just snow everywhere it's hard to kind of figure out and we just cut into this little small meadow and we're like what should we like it was almost dark we're like well let's just call for a minute we're like we're just about to go back to camp we'll we'll call for a minute so we literally walk what 15 yards tied yeah, the horses just, up. just tied the horses up and then went to find a spot to sit down on this little snowy hillside and i look over my shoulder and there's a decent sized bull at about i don't know 90 uh, yards yeah really close and decided to grab everybody everyone was looking the other way we or walking, climbing we're up kind of walking up this little hill like i grabbed the the guide and got his attention and hauled it to john and anyway this thing uh started walking away we couldn't quite see what it was and uh he was getting he in the cow timber. called to it, nothing really happened, and then he raked a tree, and, and that turned it around, and it kind of pushed right through, and we could get a good look at it. It had a decent left front and a weak right front. Mm-hmm. So the conversation pops up, you know, shooter, not shooter, it's day, We're it's day d- three, I think it's four. day three or four, and the weather's getting better, and last year there, it was a little, it was like the last 
day or two in September and like, oh man, the beginning of October last year was unreal. You guys just, and so the kind of was, one guy was like, eh. And then the other guide was, was just like, no, don't shoot. And I, I'm not a, this is my first moose hunt. So I'm not, I mean, I know big sheep and deer and elk and, and all those species. I just haven't been around moose a lot, especially Canadian moose. I've been around Alaskan moose a little bit, which are obviously, you know, a fair bit bigger generally. Um, and so I'm, I'm not real sure. Um, so Ben and I are trying to talk. Well, all the while this thing's walking into what, thirty yards? Yeah, it got real close. It got real. I mean, we could have shot it a, a hundred times, and we're just like, uh, we kind of, we just turned. Everyone's like, okay, that's fine. Uh, we got video of it. I'll have to post it up, but it's a little bittersweet now because yeah. <laughs> we I ate my tag. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. No, we were asking but, the outfitter, and then there was a local girl that was kind of a wrangler, and she'd been up there for three years, and we just we grabbed her and said, hey, you know shoot or don't shoot what is this how's it stack up compared to everything else you knows here yeah, she just, we don't know what's in there she yet. was she was adamant she goes no she goes way bigger animals in here for sure don't you know don't shoot so at that point we decided okay we're just going to watch this thing go by and um and i was pretty okay we were both okay with it like yeah we we're like yeah that's it's, it's early we, the weather's and the weather was like man it was for me i was pretty optimistic because it's exactly what you want your dates are lining up with what generally is good up there and this cold snap with the snows coming in and you're like man this is going to kick things off with the rut and and then moose will be funneling you know funneling in and and so on um then what's next <laughs> so yeah watch that one walk away um had a, i don't even know had a couple of days of snow you know continued doing the same thing with no you know no moose no nothing no just, tracks no nothing yeah, it was really really just quiet dead. and so we're just you know we're making loops around these three lakes checking a few other areas out um and just nothing is happening so i think by about probably day seven eight nine somewhere in there we moved um from our base camp way out uh, yeah, i don't know what the distance is it was we rode it was a, pretty six, much all day road we got yeah. there a couple hours after dark we rode in the dark the last yep. maybe hour or two went up and over a pass that was it was like lord of the rings just it was right after that fresh snow and it was a, the first sunny day it was crystal clear there was no wind which is really rare for up there and so we rode over this really high pass with with horses and everything and kind of walked them up these steep parts and it was that was pretty surreal as, as far as riding, it was like it was pretty strange for, for me to ride yeah. up in an area that high with you know that exposed, just raw. It was sheep country. It's where sheep are. Yeah, way above timberline and, and yeah. covered in about a foot and a half to two and a half feet of snow. And then we hit some, some drifts. Know, drifts that were. I, my horse went down at the very top <laughs> into a into a giant <laughs> crevice that was you know, whole horse. I flipped around. I was well, I wasn't riding it. I was leading we it. Were up. Walking it up. And I turned around <laughs> as my horse went down and its whole head went under the snow just just gone and then it popped <laughs> back up but um really yeah, light, it was really light snow really dry it just was going everywhere and the horse was a little frantic but but john's got a, a few <laughs> photos of that i think i haven't seen him yet but yeah, he was, he was trying to snap, snap pictures yeah um anyway we got the horses through that but that was a long haul we kind of went to this other camp up around over the pass the long way around mm-hmm. um I'm not even sure why other than there were some other local hunters in there that we were trying to kind of not cross up. So um, hopefully they appreciated that because that was a lot of extra work. <laughs> so we got over to that other camp and um, I did not like that one. That was my least favorite part of the trip. It was just a really dark box canyon little. So it was cold. It, it was, was really icy cold. cold. It never got any sunlight and um, the whole place just felt like it never, ever warmed up. But we spent, we spent three nights. We spent three 
yeah three days was it three nights i didn't sleep very good there but um it was it was uh we saw some deer uh so i had a black tail black bear mule deer wolf moose tag we had a bunch of tags in our pocket so we saw some mule deer saw a small white tail buck and um we saw actually a, a, a giant black bear and then a decent black bear just in situations that weren't worth going after but um as we were focusing on moose but we did see there were some finally started cutting some moose tracks over there so we're kind of getting optimistic and we did see one moose a long long ways away we, we put some time into that and then it just it just it wasn't panning out there was some more activity back at the main camp where the moose seemed to be starting to move around sounded like there were some tracks and stuff guys were seeing so jonas was seeing there he was we were in reaching back and forth so three days in we and we're running out of time now we're day nine or whatever I'm like well this is about it yeah that was day nine and we haven't seen anything for i mean it was we saw that one moose and it was cruising it wasn't like it was feeding an area and we're like okay we'll go get in the morning it was cruising across this opening and it was um you know we went over there and checked tracks and followed it but it was anyway just uh we needed more time over there so we bailed back to camp, hoping we catch one, and we rode all the next day. Got back to the main camp, which we had to go to anyway to get our stuff if, to to leave because we're pretty much done. So that takes us to day ten or eleven. Yeah, uh, day ten there, and then um, kind of checked in with with work and all that at home. Looked like things were still doing okay, and so I thought, okay, well, we can stay a little bit longer as long as we can get home by Sunday. So this is on Friday. And um, John and I decided to split up Friday morning. He was hunting on the up at the, I think, Third Lake with um, Rachel, the Wrangler girl. She was real young. She's like 20. Um, and then Nate, uh, one of the guides, he's also from Australia. But um, we split up and um, just got to the end of the first lake. And there was uh, one bull and two cows. And uh, right there, I just hollered to Nate, told him to duck down and got situated with my rifle real quick and um it was about 150 yards super close for what we normally do and then i'm packing my my heavy rifle that's good for a thousand or whatever and um anyway got rested got set up and tipped that one over just one shot buckled it right up yeah. and that was a huge relief because at that point i didn't care if it had you know <laughs> the littlest horns you could ever imagine it was i needed i just wanted to get that done so i didn't have to rebook this hunt they're not cheap um i just wanted to be able to get that one checked off the list and and uh keep moving forward so that was a pretty big relief to get that done um even though it was a medium-sized moose medium to small it was not uh not any big trophy rack whatsoever yeah it was good tasted good it was got all that taken care of and uh it was uh, we had just split up and it would been we had got a, a radio from the guys that were going up sheep hunting they'd cut a fresh track so we were racing up one way and then i hear we hear the boom i'm like yes i was super super excited because i knew and you know, we were both eating tags so um pretty excited about that that's day 10 or day 11 that was of, day 11 day 11 yep. of, of the 10 day hunt so um but I was getting pretty optimistic. A lot more tracks. Animals are starting to move. The rut's just starting. This is yesterday, uh, what was he, two days ago, whatever. Mm-hmm. Animals are moving. So I was getting really optimistic. I was like, man, any, like one more morning, one more night. So we ended up staying, worked that up, worked the moose up, got cut out, got the horses, packed it out, all that stuff. And then we went out that night and then the next morning and couldn't, just fresh tracks. And we just couldn't, it was 
thick. They're still not really – they're not going wide open rut. They weren't responding to the calls yet. Um, we were just trying to cut one in a, in a little clearing or opening in the timber on the lake. Um, and that kind of concluded the hunt. We yeah. Yesterday, we so we hunt the morning and we rode out uh, last night, drove, drove uh, got out, got to the truck, changed out of clothes we've been in the entire time. And it was uh, a long one. There's, there, yeah, there's no doubt about it. This was not a difficult hunt, but it was a total of 14 days. And um, yeah, it wasn't physically difficult. Mentally, for me, it was a little bit. Mentally, <laughs> it was a little bit of a grind. It definitely felt like Groundhog's Day. Um, yeah. You just wake up, grab breakfast, um, and then head out, try and get out there at daylight. Sometimes the guys were a little bit slow, so our starts were a little bit later than I think John and I would have liked. But um, one thing that John didn't see that, that was going on after I got my moose on the ground, we worked it up that morning and, um, oh, by about one o'clock in the afternoon, we finished up, got everything packed out. The, the, the carcass was still there, all the meat we'd taken with us, but, um, we came back to do an evening hunt to scout for John and there was an enormous, gorgeous grizzly parked there um two hours later two hours later just right on on top of that carcass um so we kind of hovered around we were about 100 yards away from it um so it was it went from just kind of a quiet little wander around the woods to uh guns up heads up and um it was that's definitely the biggest grizzly i've I've ever seen not the biggest bear but the biggest grizzly for sure it was probably a solid nine foot if not bigger um no grizzly tags available in Alberta, but um, anyway, that was that was pretty amazing. Definitely kind of got everybody woken up. That's for sure. Hundred yards away, as a as a full size grizzly's feeding on that. Um, he was kind of blocking the path from the first lake to the second lake, and we wanted to get up to the second lake to scout for John. So um, came back. He finally he winded us eventually and kind of moved off of it, and we went around. And then um, I don't know, an hour later, we came back and he was already back on it. He wasn't leaving it. Um, so we had all in between that that night and the next morning we had three up close encounters with that same grizzly um that's crazy we ended up seeing a lot of bears on this trip i don't, I don't yeah. know what our total count is but it was I think um, five five different ones i think yeah <laughs> and big, uh tracks everywhere bears. you'd be on moose tracks and a big old grizz track would step right on top of it you're like huh just, you're walking in this thick timber just back and forth with bears and moose and I wanted to run into one of them out there, but I didn't. <laughs> so we're uh, we're gonna we're rolling up to the border here right now. So we gotta get off here and do paperwork and guns and let's pause this real quick. And then we'll stuff. Jump back. So we'll pause it and then we'll we'll do a little more on the on the other side back in the states. So back in a minute. All right, we're back from the border. Crossing went smooth, and we got a little s- small crossing we go through, not the main one over by uh, Vancouver's, and these guys getting to know us by now. So we, we, that went pretty well. So um, finish up, Grizzly was on the carcass, and then that. So I hunted that last night, didn't see anything, just uh, lots of tracks, but just thick, 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 and really swirly wind. The last morning we got up, wind was ripping and just blowing in circles. You you couldn't couldn't hardly keep it in your face or you know just terrible wind um and kind of a big deal when you're in tight quarters like that and you can't see anywhere you gotta have good wind so i think that out of all the hunts i've ever done that wind switched more than any any yep. trip or hunt i've ever been on i mean it would hit you in the face and then a minute later it's hitting you in the back of the neck and super um, frustrating making it really tough to even head off in any direction and, and work the wind um our one of our young guides he's a great guy um but he definitely did not 
have a full understanding of um, of working with the wind at all. Um, so it was kind of a yeah. little bit frustrating, almost humorous, unfortunately, <laughs> in a couple situations. But um, yeah. archery hunting with elk over the years, um, th- that gets you really, really dialed in on, on how to work with the wind. Um, you just you have to constantly That's have, all have that, that in mind. I mean, they can you, they can see you, they can look right at you, they can hear you like crazy, they can do everything but smell you. There's no tricking like elk like if they smell you that's it like it's over but they you can do everything else so they see you you stand still long enough maybe you know maybe they'll look away keep walking there's they can hear you no problem it's just scent is brutal and that wind was a was a disaster up there so that was the last morning went hunted we were out till noon just yeah we kind of we kind of drug it out just as long as we could to the very last minute our goal was to be home by uh sunday night which is tonight we're uh yeah we're doing good we're about 45 minutes from my place in bellingham now but i'm um, I'm jumping in and driving i'm gonna make the track i got five six more hours so i'm gonna gonna huck it all the way down south so So um then we rode what packed up yeah, packed up and then uh, rode, rode a, I don't know, four-hour trail ride, flat trail, handful of river crossings, nothing eventful. Yeah. Um, and then Fingers uh, crossed to the out. last moment we were going to run across a moose on the trail. but Yeah, we were hunting all the way to the truck. So also, John is kicking around the idea. Uh, the tag, His tag is still good, um, and he is yeah. kind of weighing out the, the uh, possibility of going back up. He, he would fly up um, yep. probably from Portland and um, maybe throw another three to five days at it it seems like the the rut is kind of coming on late so um, it's just i mean if if we had a couple more days i think we could have got it done it just was it's just getting going yeah. like they message us from camp um, this morning <laughs> this and, and jonas goes hey he goes there's a big there's a big bull moose standing in uh right there at the first lake the, right out of camp yeah, so um, he sent me a satellite message first thing and i was i was just like Oh, it took the wind out of my sails. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, right out of camp. It's a 10-minute walk. Big old bull. So, so we'll uh, we'll see if that's if that's doable. I hope it is. I really want John yeah. to get that species clicked off. Um, as far as my take on that hunt, that unit, um, and that outfitter, I think, you know, great guys. A lot of fun. I'll definitely hunt with them again. Um, hunting Canadian moose isn't. A blast. It's it's not bad either. And yeah. I think I think if if you hit it right, you I could really it, stumble yeah. across some big ones. If um, you hit the rut right, I think it'd be a lot of ash. Last year they said they'd call them bulls every day and they'd cow call and they'd hear them, you know, grunt back. And and we, we had none of that. So no rut activity yep. that really to speak of. Um, they were just coming in and starting to move a lot, but but no no calling. And so if you hit it right, it would be pretty. Yeah. And, and the good people, for sure. And so I, yeah. I wouldn't hesitate to, you know, to go and do more with these guys. I've done, um, I don't know what, one or two sheep hunts with Jonas in yeah, the past. Yeah, Jonas, is, he's a riot. He's a blast. He keeps, um, he can take a long, tough, drawn-out hunt and make it a lot more fun. And, uh, <laughs> always, the, guy, the guy's he's really crazy. comical. <laughs> I wish you just, I can't even, can't even begin to, I wish I could describe to you where you did it because it's hilarious, but you can't even begin to describe him. I tried to video him at dinner the other night. I turned my phone on, and it's just... I got some of it, but you got to experience it. I don't even know. It's not even worth talking about. Yeah, he's he's something else. He's one of the most unique guys in a good way. Um, Always funny. And yeah, great humor and uh, <laughs> a lot of fun. And he's he is about as hardcore as you can get. I mean, the guy can stay in the brush working on sheep for 25, 30 days um, and come oh, out yeah. and smile, just loving it. And he'll do that every single year. 
But um, rock as a pillow he, and throw some bushes over him for a blanket, and he'll be happy as a clown. Yeah, he can he can definitely handle. And he it. also was like a professional snowboarder. Like he won the Dew Tour and the Canadian Nationals, and was that was how he made his living for a while. Like full on travel all around Japan. So it just crazy guy goes from, you know, dominating snowboard competitions up here, and then go and then and then out. It just it just interesting people. It's fun to run in all the all the guys you run into over the. There was this old guy in camp who was a crazy bronze sculptures that are i guess big deal from can from colorado and another guy from california this older guy that that rick knew that's why rick came in with his old friends he's hunted with for 30 years so you're sitting in camp at night you hear some fun stories from guys that have been there and done that for longer they've been hunting much longer than we've been alive and it's it's fun to it's fun to hear the different generations in the different areas i mean we've hunted some of the same areas but you know 20 and 30 years apart so that that's always fun so um that was a little sidetrack, but what, yeah. what, what we so let's maybe touch on there's some questions and answers that we wanted to kind of work through that had popped up here in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, we touched. I, I mentioned that earlier a little bit, and I don't know. Like I, I'm traveling around, guys are like, all right, so I want to buy like I said a tag for my buddy, or or I get questions like, hey, I want to come out west and, and hunt elk. Where's a great place to go? I don't need a big one. I just want to kill an elk. Even just going, I don't even know. We've done it. We've bought over the counter and killed elk in Idaho and Colorado and all that stuff ourselves. And and, and you can do it. So I don't want to dissuade anyone. But it's over the counter. Call like if you go hunt the front for mule deer in Utah, or if you go to Colorado general season and you buy a rifle tag, do it. It's a good experience. You're going to learn a lot. But it's not you're not going to come out there and have this pristine meadow to yourself. There's going to be guys bouncing all over on horses and there's blaze orange everywhere. And it's, it's, um, when you're talking over the counter stuff, there's a lot of people out there doing it with, uh, with a lot of States. There's like Colorado. It seemed like there was piles of Californians because there's different tag systems. You know, Nevada is very hard to draw tags in. So a lot of those residents will bounce to Utah or, or, or Colorado or Montana or Wyoming or Idaho every single year. So you get guys from all these other States pouring into States that give out over the counter tags because they can't draw a tag in, in Nevada or Utah or Arizona every year. Cause those are very hard. They manage their wildlife differently. So this, I mean, this could be a conversation you could talk about for hours. And there are there are way more qualified people that have really good hunting podcasts. Like Aaron Snyder's got Kafaru Cast. There's, um, uh, oh gosh, I'm spacing. Um, you know, Cody Rich has Rich Outdoors. It does they do a really good job of getting in deep with all this stuff? But we want to touch on it a little bit. It's. Uh, do you have thoughts? I mean, it's 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 way. I just don't want people to have expectations where they can come out and do this. And then some people ask about sheep hunt and, and, and they didn't know I've dreamed of sheep hunting my whole life since I was little, like reading doll sheep articles in sports, a field, you know, back in the day when I'm, you know, 10 years old, it's a big deal. Like I, like it's, I said, it can kind of be the, the pinnacle of the hunting world is, is sheep. Um, in a lot, in, of, ways, in a lot yeah. of ways it really, it is. It's, it's, it's some of the more expensive stuff. It's the it's, hardest it's, tags to draw. It's definitely more rare. Um, it's the most expensive tags, no doubt. Yep. So when guys ask me, I've got some messages about, hey, we want to buy some tags, me and my buddies, and they're thinking, you know, I don't know if they're thinking a sheep tag is $200 or 500 bucks. Well, in Canada, it's illegal. Like, I, we can't, as a U.S. citizen, you can't go hunt Canadian moose without a guide. You can't be in that country. You can't hunt up there without a guide for anything. 
Um, in Alaska, uh, if you're down in the lower 48, you can hunt Alaska for moose, uh, for caribou, for black bear without a guide. But if you hunt brown bear, mountain goat, or doll sheep, you have to have a guide unless you're an Alaska resident. And so just that, the, the structure behind a guide, whether that's a, a string of horses or a float plane and support food, um, the areas they have to buy, the tags that they have to buy to guide in that area and then sell to you. I don't, we don't really want to get deep into numbers, but $20,000 would be a cheap, a very cheap end of the, of the sheep world. Yeah. And they go up dramatically from there. And so just, I want to touch a little bit on that just so people know, like some of these hunts are, 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 are very special and they're rare. And I'm super thankful that Ben's allowed me to have some of these experiences because uh, my pockets are not deep enough to experience some of these things at this point. And, um, and so I get those questions and sometimes it's hard to answer. So I want to touch on that briefly, continue to send them and I'll try to try to address them. And maybe I'll have, you know, what I would consider more of an expert or more versed. I know you know, Ben and I have done a lot and we know a fair bit, but there's guys that really geek out on the tag applications and all the yeah. different states and all that stuff, you know, more so than I do. Um, if and you've so, got the time, you could, you know, you can apply for, I don't know how many states or regions or even countries you can. Tons of stuff. Eventually you can start drawing tags, but you have to build points in a lot of them and a lot others, you just have to get <laughs> well, lucky. The pro, yeah, some of it's like in Oregon, I've applied my whole life for sheep and goat. Every year it's a random draw. There's no preference points, which is, which is every year you would get one point and you would build up. And so if you apply for 20 years, now you have 20 points when in theory, you have a better chance of drawing. Well, in Oregon, it's random every year. So I'll probably apply my entire life until I die, and I'll probably never draw a sheep tag in Oregon. And and that's for goes for Idaho and a lot of other states. And some of the problem is, like, Arizona strip tag for deer, it's probably the best. Um, you know, Bronson, the guy we uh, uh, shoot with, uh, outfitted down there, the biggest mule deer on the planet come off the Arizona strip. Well, I started applying. I've only got, you know, nine or ten points in Arizona. Well, those a bunch of other guys have 20-something points, and I'll never it's, – it's, it's nearly statistically impossible for me to ever draw that tag, even if I apply for the next 50 years. I probably will never draw the strip tag. And so there's some areas you just can't hunt. You can't catch up. Like, I can't catch up in a bunch of states to, to tags I would like to draw someday because there's so many guys ahead of me. Say, you know, say there's a 1,000 guys ahead of you. They only give out five tags a year. Well, they'll never get to me before I'm dead. So some of it can be depressing when you start talking about it. And the only way around that is money. And so um, like that Nevada tag, I drew that randomly. I had like less than a 1% chance. It's essentially a lotto. And Nevada pulled my name, the state of Nevada, for that elk tag I drew last year, which was awesome. Well, if you've got money, those tags can be had for you know, twenty to twenty-five thousand dollars, if you can find one to buy, which is very difficult to even find. Um, They're there, um, but it's tough. And, and so the, the other way you can also get tags is through this. You know, each state typically has either a yep. raffle, and that's rare. It's it's one tag in the raffle and one tag at a live auction that's held at whatever area. And it's typically not if it's a real good tag. It's going to be at some of the big events out of state. Um, so you'll have to do your homework on that. Generally, but, those are called governor's tags. Governor's tags and auction tags are the same thing. Yep. And um, the raffle tag is the same tag, but you buy tickets, um, pay into the state, and usually it's unlimited on how many tickets you can buy. So if you want to spend twenty grand on tickets and chance that you that you hit it, um, 
that's a solid way to get those tags for maybe cheaper than just calling an outfitter and booking the trip. Mm-hmm. So a couple different routes to get in there. But um, I, I don't do, I haven't never really put in for any kind of a points um, for any of the states. Um, mm-hmm. I, maybe I'm just not patient, just but I, I'd rather, I just, I just want to, you know, get out there and, and hunt. Um, and I don't well, have, and you can swing it. I mean, you can, you're, yeah. And it depends on where you're at, you know, financially, if you can afford to, to just go out and buy, you could literally grab the phone and dial up, you know, any number of outfitters and just say, you know, let's talk about booking yeah. a trip and you, you know, you can do it. Well, but, like the wild sheep show. I mean, to give you a, how insane this world is, how many years, what did the Montana bighorn sheep tag sell for i mean it was selling for four hundred thousand dollars four hundred sixty thousand i think is the is what the montana tag sold for for quote unquote cheap now at 200 yeah 240 so you're talking about insane arizona bighorn tag sold for 390 last year yeah one of them sold for 390 so it's it's it's, it can go all over the place so it's when i get these questions i you don't it's not like i'm gonna dive into that with you guys at a match it's a really it's a it's like way down the rabbit hole. It's like when it, when you talk to a guy at a range who's sighting in his thirty out six, and he starts telling you about his gun, and you're you're five years deep into super detailed hand loads, and you're working on your comp gun. It's like there's such different worlds, and it's kind of the same thing. It's hard when someone goes, "Hey, I want to uh, do a sheep hunt, and just take you go right go backpack in and hunt sheep." Well, it is a, there's it's just a crazy spectrum. So I love to answer questions, but. Um, and a, a lot of a handful of you guys know that are you know actually have done it or are or or are saving and, and planning and a lot of you guys know the, the routine and how this works but there's a handful of guys of questions I get that don't and I just it's kind of a weird topic to discuss so um, I, that's kind of the uh, 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 some broad strokes I'm happy to answer any questions that matches or whatever you have um, but I wanted to at least kind of chat about yeah, that and a you can get an bit. idea you know you can always just start doing some homework on your own and looking up, you know, outfitters with some good names and you know, speak to them directly on the phone and yep. and start getting an idea as far as cost and feasibility and, and booking schedules too. A lot of the good ones are booked out for, you know, anywhere from one to three years ahead. It's not like you wake up one morning and decide you want to go hunt and a month later you're hunting. Um, yep. Right now, John and I, for the hunts that we've got out in front of us, we're Six months to a year and a half is what we're what we're booking for right now. We've got next year's um, we got one one big hunt on the books, and uh, another one kind of in the hopper for the following year. Which mm-hmm. um, I don't know that I've ever booked two years out until now. So, but some of those outfits and like some of the places in WT are, are booking you know twenty twenty one right now. Yeah, um, twenty two. One other thing yeah. you guys could look for too, if you're you know if you're looking for um, a way to save some money and still dive in at this level um cancellation hunts pop up a lot Mm -hmm. the main thing is you got to get your name out there with a lot of people and this would probably take a little bit of hunting experience just with interacting with other guides and outfitters um and if you just are real upfront say look you know i'm i'm open and available on a cancellation basis if you have something call you know make sure you call i probably get about six to twenty cancellation text messages or phone calls every year yeah. Um, all around, all around the world, anywhere from uh, all the way over, like Tajikistan, yep. um, yep. the Arctic, and sometimes there's anywhere from you know five thousand dollar discount, twenty thirty thousand dollar discount on some of these. Mm-hmm. So that could really help if you're on a budget. Um, these are all kind of different inroads to um, to doing this and, and trying to save a little bit on uh, on your wallet. Yeah, and 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 I play the the tag game. So if 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 you never, you're never going to spend 
you know a big chunk of change on a sheep hunt which is understandable at least at least try there's some states you know idaho's random oregon's random there's there's you could draw nevada there's there's places you could technically draw a tag you may as well give it a shot buy a couple raffle tickets you know you never know it's 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 kind of like playing the lotto but if you're interested you know throw a little bit of money at it see what happens um one thing i would say for you know for you guys to check out would be um the safari club international show the sheep show those are two big events there's a lot of giveaways raffles i've won i've won a sheep hunt at one of those was it the first year yeah yeah first year i went um Big i want a, a 38,000 dollars stone sheep hunt yeah um put in a handful you know probably bought maybe a couple hundred dollars worth of tickets in the raffle and got yeah. drawn right out of the gate so it, it can happen it does we've got some other friends that have drawn it as well um so it it, it does happen and the numbers are not you know it's not like there's forty thousand people putting in at some of these events it's more like a couple hundred or a couple thousand so the odds are pretty high that something could happen with them yeah but that is something that i would say if you guys get a chance this winter it's usually in uh, january february is when those shows go on yeah sheep shows in reno that's a, it's a small obviously focused on sheep it's a wild sheep uh, foundation so that's a fun one but there's uh i mean it's uh it's definitely a rabbit hole it's just like just like comp shooting you can go as deep as you want so um yeah 20 years ago can you imagine us sitting here talking about this that was no, not I, even I, in our realm i ran rubber boots and and blue jeans for from light till dark looking for a grouse on a gravel road so that was my we did, we did that for a lot of years yeah. so yeah and it was all fun i loved it i loved duck hunting i loved all that stuff and it's just like it's just progression like anything it's you know you just it's it, it it gets bigger and bigger so um i think that's enough again if you guys want to chat with me or have questions i'll do my best to answer them it just just know some of the it's it, it, go, it's it can go down a deep deep hole so that's i just want to give it give some guys an idea of what this you can't just go by these tags a lot of these tags you can't just go by there's some planning there's a, a, and, and some of these are a decent amount of money involved so um the other than that let's I guess, uh, touch on what you've got coming up next oh man i've so in the, my head is just racing trying to figure out to go up there like if i two more days i think i could get a moose i don't know if i can swing it or not but it's we're kind of jammed my uncle's got that he drew a really good uh elk tag that talked about so trying to you know work that out and do some pre-scouting in oregon on a on an elk tag he's not real picky just wants to get a good bull but nothing he's not going to hold out to the bitter end for you know the biggest bull in the unit so um just a good you know six point rocky some hopefully somewhere in that three to 330 class you know on on the lower end and then the ag cups coming up which <laughs> i was talking to chase today and i was i was like man i've got to get i've got to get stuff in order but i've been gone a lot you know i get home i'm working hanging out with the fam so i gotta get some i got guns broken i haven't done load development i really like to practice like i, I know other guys are grinding and getting ready and i, I feel a little bit uh in in a different mode than i have i'm not necessarily in comp mode so i really i, I want to go back up to alberta more than i want to work on a comp gun right now so what he's saying you guys is um <laughs> odds are a lot better right now that uh, you guys could do pretty good this year <laughs> I, oh gosh i gotta i haven't honestly i haven't practiced done anything for quite a while so i've been i mean i really switch modes i I love hunting and it's uh it does get a little bit consuming with your thoughts so and and then getting hunting guns ready getting that six five prc has been working on a been working on 300 norma that i've still been having some fits with um trying to get that thing figured out so 
anyway, took the lightweight six five PRC on this thing. I really wanted to shoot a moose with it and see how it did. And uh, maybe I'll still get the chance, but right now, no. Um, it did but, all right on an antelope. Yep, smoked that antelope. It was a, no, it was three hundred thirty yards, and I uh, was trying out those one fifty six burgers. Uh, they were hammering, and I first shot. Punched right through it, didn't hit any bone. I hit a little high in the lungs. It was kind of over this rolling hill, and I couldn't see his whole body. So I hit him a little high, ran in a circle, stopped in the same spot, hit him again just just right in the pocket, and he tipped over. But both both lung shots and pretty pretty straightforward deal. So Ben's was we were Ben we see Ben's at you know 800 yards away, and we're kind of it started it's real rutting hard. So Ben's buck takes off after his other buck, races around at 600 yards away. We're moving in, we're moving in, and it, it kind of looked antelope are real curious and they're real uh, defensive and they're in the rut, and it sees us kind of moving in. It's just bare open, so it's. We're going to this little rise, see something, and just all of a sudden, just ears back, here it comes. I was like, so Ben's got his big 338, 525, just big old long range gun, and um, and I was like, here it comes. And so we got ready. By the time we, we threw some earplugs in real quick, and it covered 600 yards in a hot second, and was what rolled up at 60 yards or something. It was close. Yeah, it might it might have been 100. I don't know. It's on video. I was. <laughs> it stopped on a high spot and it's looking straight at us. And I'm laid down. I just had the bipod thrown down on the ground. I got both earplugs in. Nobody's filming. And so I'm <laughs> holding the crosshairs right on the thing's chest. And I'm just waiting until it takes just a tiny step to start darting away. And John managed to get his camera up, I zoomed just in on it. I my phone out of my pocket. I was like, okay, the phone, the other guy's got a phone scope and that's not happening. It's he happening not, too he quick. He did not get the phone scope going. Um, John was able to get a perfect four-second video clip and zoomed in as I as it stepped and I torched off and just ripped that thing from one end to the other and, and it went down really hard. That was that was pretty. It was comical. I was like, holy smokes! I think just we were getting ready for kind of a you know trickier long range, trying to range while it's moving around. All of a sudden, it's in our lap. So take it when you can get it. So um, anyway, so I question. I mean, gear wise, it was cold. I ran. Just same puffies. I ran a Sitka puffy. I ran Arcteryx puffy and Long Johns. I, every layer thing I had was on when it was cold. Mittens and socks and boots and Long Johns and puffy pants. I was still cold. So when you're sitting there calling in some of that weather, I, I don't know what you can do to stay warm outside of having some sort of a electric clothes or something, which I don't have. Yeah, so. I, had, I had trouble staying warm on this trip, too. And, Feet and, especially. And you're, and you're hiking a little bit, so you're getting warm as you're moving, and then you sit down and you get cold, and yeah. you're just bouncing back and forth. Um I think my uh, my Kafaru, um, yeah, the lost part puffy whatever that, that, that is puffy parka from um, Kafaru. Yeah, it just was. It's. I kept telling John. We kept kind of laughing about it. Is it? Yep, this is still the number one yep. clothing item for this whole trip. Um, I wore it pretty much all day every day. Yep. Throughout the whole two weeks. All day every day. I ran a little. It was kind of fun. Generally, I'm running my big Kafaru pack, either a Fulcrum or EMR two, and this time I ran a little tiny day pack just because i had so much clothes on and i just had what camera gear uh, um uh, some uh, i don't know food some water some camera gear in my bag so i was running a little day pack which was kind of a, a fun change of pace especially on the horses because it's not that long frames not digging into the into the horse in the back so um i don't know other than that gear wise it wasn't optic heavy you're not like glassing for anything it's just you don't no, need spotters you don't need it's just a different a lot different huh so not really you know i took my prc ben took his 338 we we honestly some days we bring the 338 some days we wouldn't um just we knew it was going to be pretty close um uh, i'm trying to think of 
I don't know, just layer, just a lot of layers. The one thing I decided I had, a, I had one Sitka jacket that was a soft shell. First two days I had that on, and it was a little. I, it fits good. I like it for a lot of hunts, but it was com- it, the sleeves were thin enough to where it was compressing my puffy under puffy jacket underneath that insulation layer too much, where it wasn't trapping enough air. So I was getting a lot colder. I was like, well, it's more layers, right? Trap more heat. Well, it didn't. And just taking that thicker soft shell off that was compressing the insulation and replacing it with my rain jacket, which has a lot more room, a lot thinner, but it's a lot more room. It still trapped a little heat, but it left, it let that um, insulation loft up a little bit. I stayed way warmer, just switching to even taking the soft shell off or switching to that rain jacket that had more room in there. So just a note to you guys, obviously you probably already know that, but don't compress your insulation or you'll get cold. So, um, I don't know. You, so you've got Maybe swing back into the moose hunt um, yeah. if he can pull it off. And oh. then John's looking at a, a coos hunt down in Mexico for yeah, this kick, winter. Kicking that around. Um, I might jump in there on that. I need a coos. John already has his, but um, he's got some connections down there. And then we also just picked up another connection kind of for a backup, um, which is great. Coos are affordable, simple hunt. It's in Mexico. You go down in the middle of winter, and it's a nice break from uh, northwest winter yep. up here. And um, so we're going we're gonna to look at that pretty hard. And, um, yeah, that'd be, I don't know when that'll be January, February, but yeah, you get out of the rain and you go down to 70, 80 degrees and that's a, a welcome change. So kicking that around. And then, um, let's see comp season after that, after this elk hunt, I'll, I'll be, I'll, I'll be done for until that coos hunt if we do that. So, yeah. um, after that, then it's just, it's AG cup and then, uh, NRL, uh, finale, NRL, let's see, PRS finale. And then after that is the NRL championship. So those are the big matches coming up. And um, anyway, uh, anything else you want to? That's about everything I can think of. Um, we'll probably kick around some, you know, we get to this point of the year where it's, you know, we're coming up on November. So the real hunts in November for us would be mule deer. Yep. There's always some last minute options for that. So we always kind of weigh those out. Some years we jump in on them. Other years we won't. Um, I'm leaning more towards this year. Probably not. I'm kind of yeah. tapped out budget wise for the whole year right now so i might hang back a little bit and just do that coos trip in mexico yeah. um and maybe kind of reel back and get some momentum going for next year yeah. uh, but if the right if the right opportunity popped up late in a midwinter or late winter um, i'm not gonna throw that whole idea out so yeah. we'll just kind of see how it goes oh and then last but not least what are you doing in a few weeks three weeks three oh weeks? i've got um Cabo San Lucas, black and blue, the Bisbee's black and blue Marlin tournament. That should be cool. And, I, that's um, right during the AG Cup where I'd be down there. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind really of jealous. I want to see how that's going to go. So. so we'll be down there. I've never done that. I fished Marlin before in Cabo and did all right, but this is a full-blown. It's one of the biggest Marlin fishing tournaments in the world. Yeah. And um, I just got an email update. There's over 350 boats entered in that with four-man crews. And um, that it's going to be interesting. It's yep. gonna be it's gonna be wild. They're catching some really big marlin down there right now. Eight hundred and eighty pounder came in a little bit ago. A five hundred and sixty pounder came in. So um, we'll see how the whole thing goes. Um, going yeah. with a couple good buddies, uh, one guy from work, and then a couple close friends from uh, down south. Yeah. So that will be an experience we can <laughs> talk about if uh, if you guys are curious what we're up to. And then you can always check out some of our photos and videos too on john's instagram we kind of throw the the better ones up there i'll throw some stuff on there i'm behind on pictures so anyway thanks for tuning in i know this is uh again some of you guys that are comp focused this is not the uh 
not the not your favorite thing, but yeah, you didn't have to listen. So if you did, stick through this long. Thanks, but uh, that's the update. Uh, Jake and I will get back to regular programming, um, hopefully shortly if I'm around, um, and we'll get back into that. Look, you know, it'll be fun with these these shoots coming up. I think I'll talk to Jake. We'll have to try to do if we can do some, you know, some evening updates at the AG Cup. Maybe a twenty or thirty minute blurb each night, and I can email those back to my wife. She get them get them published. Maybe we can kind of do a blow by blow of how that weekend or that week is going there for you guys. It's kind of fun to follow along. I'm curious what it's going to be like. So, um, so we'll try to do that. Got some things coming up. I do, we do have some more giveaways. We'll talk about that when I get settled in back with Jake. And then after this hunt season, we'll get back to a, uh, a more normal schedule. Um, sorry, it's been a little sporadic with me being gone and, and everything. So anyway, thanks for tuning in. Um, thanks again to rock Creek, uh, for that barrel donation, and uh congrats kyle and until next time this was uh episode 13 already yeah episode 13 and uh we'll talk to you guys later thanks bye